Hello? Hey. Hey, so welcome to Kling Voices. This is your host, Donald Apolugo, and I'm super excited to be joined here by Darian Reed Sturgis. Uh, Darian's the Director of Community and Culture at the Roxbury Latin School. Darian, how's it going? No, oh, man, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, you know how it is. Uh, got a lot of got a lot of work to do after after this. Uh, I think my headmaster just texted me. He wants me to give him a call. So, crying continues. Yeah, I certainly know how you feel, and I uh, really appreciate uh, you for taking the time out of what I know must be a super busy schedule to to chat with us today. Um, so, you know, I, let me just start by saying uh, congratulations again on, on your new appointment uh, to this, this position as the Director of Community and Culture at Roxbury Latin. Um, uh, super excited to sort of hear about that and, 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 and you know, I'd definitely like us to sort of get, get into that a little bit. And I'd love to hear about um, how you're feeling about the, 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 the new position and, and what that sort of means for your future at, um, at Roxbury Latin. But, but maybe we could just start by... Uh, take a little trip down memory lane. Um, mm. I know you've been at Roxbury Latin for, for for a while, but maybe you can just talk to us a little bit about your um, uh, introduction to, in, to the independent school landscape. Um, how did you come to attend uh, Roxbury Latin and sort of um, what have been the various sort of steps or milestones uh, along the way um, to sort of the position you're in right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to go down memory lane a little bit. So I'm, um, I'm born in uh, Mattapan, which is uh, a neighborhood in Boston. I think if you're familiar with Boston, you probably know Dorchester, uh, yep. probably right next to it. Um, it's a community, mainly black people, a very vibrant Haitian community. Um, I was a public school boy for the first six years of my uh, schooling or sorry, up to sixth grade. Um, however, when I was in the fifth grade, um, a teacher sort of pulled me aside and mentioned a program, Stepping Stone, the Stepping Stone Foundation, and um, explained it to me. And it was basically a program that took, you know, kids from underserved populations and uh, really worked with them. And really the idea was to uh, put them in better positions for their education um, thereafter. Um, and so uh, after she explained it, I, you know, talked to my mother and it's something that we pursued. And uh, luckily, I, I got into the Stepping Stone program, and um, it's it's basically an 18-month program. So you spend um, six weeks during the summer doing school, which clearly I'm familiar with, um, and then you're doing a little work um, during the, the academic year. So in a lot of ways, it kind of feels like um, the Kligenstein program, but a more junior version of it. But then they also help you with things like test prep, um, interviewing, uh, financial aid, uh, understanding all that paperwork. But I think the, the biggest thing for me with that program was just an understanding that there's another world out there of schools. Um, just, you know, you might see private schools on TV, maybe like watching Fresh Prince or something like that, but it didn't seem like that was a thing for you. You kind of believe that your uh, path ahead was already charted. Um, and so I think just having uh, options um, and, and knowing that um, those were actually available to me was a, was, was a big piece for me. Um, so applied to a number of schools. I actually really, really, um, liked Roxbury Latin and, uh, Roxbury Latin, um, was the school for us, um, uh, because largely the money, um, they met us where we were. Um, I went to that school for $250 a year. Um, and 
so I spent six years uh, at Roxbury Latin, entered in the seventh grade, um, made great friends, went, uh, went to Bowdoin, played basketball there, uh, made uh, a number of other great friends there, uh, was a classics major, Ed Minor. Um, and then after that, I decided I did want to teach. I, I, I decided I wanted to teach um, at the end of my high school, actually. Um, we do a senior program, an independent project where you basically get a month to yourself and f figure it out. And I worked at a preschool in Roxbury. And I love the experience. I just, I love the energy of the kids. Um, and it was something, and, and, and there was something very tangible about teaching um, and, and, and seeing sort of the rewards right in your face um, that I kind of fell in love with. And so I, I knew at that point that that's what I wanted to do. So all throughout my college, I, really gained experience. I, I homeschooled kids. I, I tutored. I was a TA. I uh, worked in the summer teaching, um, trying to equip myself to be able to do this full time when I got out of college. And, and luckily, I was able to do that at Kimball Unit Academy in Meriden, New Hampshire, uh, a boarding school, which is what I wanted because I, I wanted to really focus on the, the, the job aspect of the gig. So I taught at uh, Kimball Union. I was the only Latin teacher. I uh, helped out with the varsity football program, JV and varsity basketball, advisor, the whole dorm parent. Um, and really and, and really did enjoy my experience there, and mostly because of the community there. Um, though I only did one year at boarding school, I, I, I certainly recognize um, the benefits, certainly for a young faculty member of just um, finding, finding people, finding community, just a really eclectic bunch that sort of came together in this, uh, in, in this town in Western, uh, New Hampshire. And I was happy in Kimball Union. However, um, a job opened up at Roxbury Latin, my, uh, former Latin teacher and the head of the department, uh, retired and I was asked whether I was interested and I was. Um, and so I went down, I, I interviewed literally that Monday. Um, and the interesting story is actually I, um, before I received the job from Roxbury Line, I actually called them and said, um, no, thank you. Um, I was feeling really guilty about what I had just done. Um, I hadn't talked to anybody at Kimball Union. I, um, and I felt guilty about abandoning at a program after one year. I thought I was doing some really nice things in the Latin classroom. I thought I was building really good rapports, um, with kids and colleagues, I thought I was making strides as a coach in only one year, um, and I started feeling guilty about it. Yeah, uh, and I and I was very thankful that I, I received advice from both sides, both from the Roxbury Latin community and from the Kimball Union community. And I, I'll never forget that my faculty mentor basically said, "You can't stay um, for the sake of people that you don't know are going to stay for you." Right. You you have to do what's for you. And uh, I have been incredibly thankful for that piece of advice. So I went to Roxbury Latin, um, just finished my 10th year there. Um, been teaching Latin and Greek there, coaching JV basketball every year, doing a bunch of things. Um, head of the eighth grade for probably about seven years. Um, I, I jumped into the assistant dean of students role um, for, for about a year um, and now taken over as director of community and culture and feeling and seeing what it's like to be a senior administration at an independent school. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I'm, you know, as, as from one former student athlete to a, to another, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I'm, I'm, 
I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into sort of what you what you see as the 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 influence and the that that sort of that student athlete status uh, has had on your your outlook on education. But I but I'm also super interested in this this classics piece. So, you know, I I really appreciated. Uh, hearing from you last summer as we were uh, discussing sort of ethics of education and and some of your takes on on Plato and and, and the Lackey's piece that we mm. read. I'm I'm curious um, when you sort of what you, when what your introduction what what your introduction to the classics was and sort of why you chose to uh, to major in it and and in particular how do you think the classics or your study of the classics and Latin informs your educational philosophy. Yeah, well, well, it's an interesting story. So I think, like a number of young um, and uh, young children, I think it's it was the stories, right? Some of the the myths that um, really captured me. Um, but then, of course, right, you go to Roxbury Latin, you take Latin, and so um, we have a three year requirement. I took six years, and to be honest, it it was really sort of you get to the next year you're charting your schedule and you're just sort of figuring out what's the what are the best five courses for you and so i can't honestly say that when i was putting together a course load that most of the time latin was at the top of the list um but i i knew what that i would be okay in it and that's pretty much what i was i was an okay student at roxbury latin okay um at at, at bowden um it became very clear and i think i made some real uh, leaps as a human being, an athlete, and as a student um, at Bowdoin College, but it became very clear that I was far more prepared um, as a classicist than I thought. And so um, I had a conversation with the department head on or, during orientation, and she basically um, asked me for my credentials. And when I was done with it, she looked at me and said, um, you're in the senior seminar, in which I got an A. Mm. And basically, there's nowhere to go from there, right? So yep. it's just senior seminar all the way through. I finished my major by the end of my junior year. Okay. Um, and so, you know, but there was nothing. I, I can't say that there was a big intellectual. Um, I don't think I got a lot of intellectualism out of my classics degree in the under, undergrad experience. And that's, I think, mainly due to, yet again, uh, an academic immaturity. I, hadn't really, I don't think I really came into my own yet. And I don't think that really happened until St. Okay. John's. Um, and so St. John's Oh, you, is, did, you did the Great, you know, did the look, great Books program? The Great Books, the oh, great books program. That. The Great Books program, indeed, yeah. Um, which I think has armed me in a very particular way. And I hope we get a chance to um, talk about that. But... You know, it's 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 an interesting program, and I was looking for honestly, I was looking for a master's in classics, and basically finding that that was going to be impossible given um, some of the demands of my schedule, um, and couldn't really find a summer program that I liked. And uh, a colleague on the way up to a uh, orientation trip for seventh graders mentioned this program, and I went home and looked at the curriculum, and I kind of said, this is basically what I was looking for, right? You have something rooted in the classics, and then you know other pieces of literature that. Um, I always wanted to read or should have read in high school. And then I thought um, I was going to basically kill two birds with one stone. Right. Um, I was, it was sort of make good on my high school education in some ways and um, really dig deep into um, the classics. What I didn't get, what I didn't um, anticipate was 
it was far more than about classics it was far it was far more about like really reading mm. text like really getting into a text and what they like to say is like having a conversation with the text and really enjoying that process and then going to class and you know enjoying that process of just having conversation with your peers um it's a very interesting and an eclectic school right uh four summers there i didn't take a single note i didn't bring a wow. notebook um because in a lot of ways, right, they don't want you to because that's distracting to the listening process and the thinking process, right? And you need to be present. And when they say present, fully present. So, you know, there, there's, there's, and there's no need for notes. There are no tests. There are no, you know, you're going to write papers, sure. But like, it's really about the conversation. And so, you know, and, 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 and one of the rules of the conversation was the conversation ends when the conversation ends. And so you're in a room, kind of looks like a casino, right? No windows, <laughs> no, no, no clock. And you could be there for four hours. Wow. Right. Just, just talking Herodotus. And so, you know, that to, to really be able to think deeply about text and to read and to read well, because, you know, you could be assigned, you know, half of the Republic and you get to class and somebody's like, Hey, on page 54, line three, what'd you think of this one word? And, you know, for the most part, people are like, yeah, I was thinking about that word too. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the deep reading right. we're talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I think that's a, it's a really interesting, um, it's a really sort of interesting thing to bring up. And I, and I you know, I think I, I have a similar, I'm not a class, I don't, I don't want the classics background, but, but, you know, I was a, you know, politics, philosophy, economics major and, and sort of the history of intellectual thought, sort of philosophy has always been a big focus of mine. And I, and I credit um, philosophy classes I took in college, particularly ethical theory, for helping me become a better writer, right? For helping me mm-hmm. know how to sort of interrogate a text. So I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear you talk about that. I'm curious about the ways in which you, you think sort of the great books program uh, influenced um, your pedagogy, right? The ways in which you're, you're helping students engage in, in, in close um, sort of textual exegesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, I think the number one thing it did for me is it taught me the value of the, of, of a good mm. question um, the, to, and valuing that over a good answer. Um, you know, my, my training, um, in undergrad and in high school was a lot of analysis, right. A lot of persuasion, um, a lot of, you gotta really drive home the conclusion, um, where here it was, this is a path and we're going to go down it and we're going to see where this sort of ends up. Um, and you have to be okay with the, having the backtrack, you have to be okay with the. Uh, not knowing the answer in the moment. Um, and you also have to be, so it's the only time in my life where I've written words and come back to a paper and, you know, had, you know, erased about three pages of it with a deadline coming up because they weren't good at, because, you know, my conversation with the text okay. changed and that sort of flexibility um, in not being rigid um, in a particular frame of thought Um I think those are the things. And so when I bring that over to sort of my classrooms, I think the things that the kids see from me is, first of all, just a, 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 I think a form of discussion that they appreciate, right? And I think it comes from two things. First of all, I really do think subject matter uh, matters a great deal in how you go about the presentation of that. Because if you do that right, 
then the rest of it just takes care of itself. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, yeah, so it's, it's, it's allowing a space where, um, we're actually having a conversation and we're actually, it's a conversation that is equal parts rooted in common experience, i.e. the literature and equal parts rooted in you as a human mm. being. Yeah, it is this really, it is this sort of central, you know, very human um, experience, trait, right, attribute. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, something, some of the things I heard you say that jumped out to me, and I'm really interested about uh, um, the ways in which it, um, it helped you sort of think about yourself as a listener, or even just the process, the act of listening, right? Um, the importance of, of sort of asking a, a good question. I'm curious about sort of list, thinking about listening and, and sort of uh, asking questions and, and, and sort of how, how those two things inform your, um, your leadership style. Um, you know, how, 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 yeah, how do you, how, how do you see those things as informing sort of who you are or who you aspire to be as a, as a, as a leader? Yeah, I think at some point I came to the realization of like what it actually meant to listen versus to mm. hear. Um, and in a certain sense, like I think about some of my freshman slash sophomore advisees and and I think about the idea of like there's a difference between like being in class and like being engaged and like one of it is a far more effortful mm -hmm. thing. And um, I think I've learned over time that, you know, this listening piece is yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an effortful piece. And I think the St. John's did teach me that because when you're dealing, and I think the Klingenstein uh, does the same exact thing, right? When you're in a class with the same people, right, for an intense amount of time for six weeks, right, and somebody begins to speak, right, you are not just hearing their words, right? You're also noticing, right, how their body's moving. You're also noticing where they're pausing, you're noticing um, when all of a sudden they're speaking a little faster and why that is, right? And so part of that listening is also a part of a um, getting to know. And I think that's helped me in my leadership because not everything that is said to you via words is what is trying to be communicated. Mm. And so if you're doing this solely sort of with your ears, um, you're going to miss so much. Yeah, no, that's 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 awesome. So I'm I'm curious. Um, so obviously you're in this. You you you've recently uh, got this new new position, and and, con and congrats again. I mean, I I think it's you know we as I reflect on how my year sort of ended up, and and you know we've we've been talking about this as a cohort. Um, it's in in some ways it's been it's been energizing and in other ways it's been, it's been incredibly draining um, to sort mm -hmm. of uh, find ourselves right. Once again, confronting, right. So what, 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 what feels like questions that are part of a broken record in this, in this, in this country, right. Around the value of black lives, right. About sort of systemic uh, injustice. Um, I'm curious what that, this, as you reflect back on on it now and I, I and I and I know that in many ways you know we haven't had the time to reflect on it I'm curious how those conversations went 
uh, at Roxbury Latin and and are there any ways in which you 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 think your 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 viewpoint or your um your orientation at least towards next year and 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 this new opportunity in this in this role as the director of community and, and culture um are there ways in which that 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 has been informed by by the conversations at, at mm-hmm. Roxbury Latin mm-hmm. yeah I think um when it you know COVID it was is is um so troublesome in so many ways and you know it exposed the fact that we don't we didn't have a mechanism to scoop our kids mm. up right we we have mechanisms to pick our kids up but sometimes you need to mm. scoop them up and when george floyd is murdered you know a there's a hesitancy to acknowledge that this is part of your job right now as a school when things like this happen to um, support the community, right? So there's a hesitation there. And so, you know, without, you know, a mechanism to scoop children up without, you know, a message of full support, um, I think I mentioned this in our last conversation, right? You know, you have a lot of boys who are sort of swaying in the wind and you try to grab as many as you can, but then you're also swinging yeah. in the wind. Um, and I'm not going to lie, Donald. Um, they got yeah. to me. Um, I, 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 had my, I had my episodes. Um, so, you know, one of the things, a couple of things that happened, you know, particularly if you're at a school that hasn't been comfortable talking about race, you know, one of the things you have to do is you have to meet the faculty where they are. Mm. And, you know, so part of it was, okay, we're going to have these conversations with our kids. And I know some of you are not comfortable right now doing that, but you're still going to do it. But however, here are some, here are some ways that can help you. Right. And please know you don't need to be a race mm. expert, right. To give a kid space to talk. And, and right. Vent. Right. So that's one thing that happens. Um, but I'm a wreck, you know, and I, call in uh i call my final eighth grade homeroom um so that tells you where we are in the calendar and you know i just sort of give them parting words in the summer and i wrote i wrote them out the night before and it was about two full pages and i probably got about a sentence in before i just broke mm. down um and so and i think that's probably important that they yeah. saw that too right um and I didn't, I didn't cover it. I didn't hide it. But yeah, so they, they, they watched me go through that, through that entire letter. And then um, the next day, I excused myself from faculty meetings. I just couldn't do wow. it. And I couldn't excuse myself the next day because I was running part of that meeting. But I used that as an opportunity to say mm. some more shit. But then also to invite some people to talk. And people showed okay. And, you know, I basically invited our faculty and our staff, but it was our faculty that were mostly in the meeting where I talked. And, you know, it was the first day of summer break and let's say 97% showed up just wow. to talk. And I think in some ways, I mean, I can't speak for other people, but um, 
I think through a demonstration that, you know, somebody's finally going to say something about this at the school um, and be definitive and chart the path. But then also I think it was clear to um, who it needed to be clear to that, I don't know, that my colleagues have a respect for yeah. me. And I appreciate that. Wow. And so that's how I end up in this space. That's how I end up um, director of community and culture, which is, you know, and one of the really nice things I think about the role is, first of all, you know, the word culture itself is so interesting going back to our mm -hmm. Skyne reading yep. last year. Um, but also, you know, with this role, you know, puts me in senior admin and as, you know, we're having that conversation about what this role entails, it was really nice to hear that, just to hear the words, when you're in those meetings, you're there as your full mm -hmm. self, right? You're not there necessarily for an agenda. I understand I have an agenda and I need to make sure that I'm on that agenda, but it's also really nice to hear that, like, you get to be you, right? And we are putting you in this position because you are you. Right. Just a reminder of the power of words, right? A few few words can go a long yeah. way. I mean, I'm curious, like, you know, I, so, I, you know, I, as you know, I attended Deerfield Academy and I, I remember mm -hmm. when I first learned about Deerfield and was like, God, oh, wow, 70, 17, 1779, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. <laughs> ancient, you know? Mm -hmm. Then I look at Roxbury Latin and I'm like, you know, Oldest school in continuous existence in North America, 1645. We just celebrated 375 years. I mean, that's that's crazy. So, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I think about I think about that. I think about you in this new role as as director of community and culture. I, and I think I think about one of the things that our schools find themselves having to do, right, which is continue to be able to articulate and, and, and connect the dots, right? And speak to this long hallowed history and the mm -hmm. legacy, right? And, you know, our, our motto at Deerfield was, was be, be worthy of your heritage, right? Whatever that, whatever mm -hmm. that was supposed mm -hmm. to mean. Um, I'm curious about, yeah, what, do you, what is it that you think about when you think about that number, 1645? Yeah. So what I think about is there's a lot of stuff that are within those borders that um, you just don't, right? That's that's the whole part of culture, right? The, the stuff that goes undefined that you do mm. nonetheless, right? And are become a part of the fabric of your existence, um, which I think it's an important piece as to why I'm in this position, right? I got, I'm, let's be clear, right? I am not, right, a, a DEI expert, right? But what I am an expert in is, in some ways, Roxbury mm. Latin, right? Having seen it from multiple angles as a student and as a faculty member and done just about every job as a faculty member within mm -hmm. that school. I know the players, right? I know the game, right? And I think with that, right, I think then there's a deep understanding. So therefore, right, with that understanding, you can understand how to chart the path forward. Um, in a way that's going to be respectful because we're, we're talking 1645. There are some, there are some conversations that are not going to be easy. And just because they should doesn't mean that, um, that, that it's going to be easy. So if you think about something like even just like yeah. curriculum, um, 
you can certainly just cross books off of a list. But if you understand, right, not only the unity within a particular program, but also the crossovers with other programs, then it helps you make those adjustments, not even adjustments, because you, you could blow the whole damn thing up. But when you put it back together, you have an understanding of how to go about doing that. And I think I'm equipped to be able to do that, not only because that is my canon, but I have a master's in the canon. Right. So, like, you're not going to pull one over me on the value of <laughs> Say more, say more. But yeah, so, but like, there's a bit of like, so much at a school goes unnoticed and then is built upon um, over and over. And some of it's great. Some of it's nothing. Some of it's harmful. Um, And one of the things that does happen, and this is, you know, to invoke Skine, is when something works, right, we have this fallacy that because we did action A and then later something successful occurred, we think that those two things have to be related. And not only that, we then continue that. Not understanding that, A, there might be different ways to go about doing it. Um, And then also just like, I don't know. uh, Yeah, I mean, there's a reflection piece that is absolutely necessary um, regardless, right? And I, I think that's important because you know, every year you're bringing new people in, you're bringing in new kids, you're bringing in new faculty, you're bringing in new parents, you're bringing in new board members, you're bringing in all, right? And it's not even just about teaching them your values, it's about reestablishing your values and making sure that everybody's on the same page about mm-hmm. what the values are, right? But it's a, there does need to be a naming of um, those values and to really take the things that are hidden in occult and name them out um, and find out, do these things actually stand with our with mm-hmm. our values? So I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up the sky and I'm 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 thinking about the work we've been doing in the last couple of weeks um, in, in in marketing and um, and you know we've had this opportunity to return to to sky and sort of the culture of resistance. I'm I'm curious about what has what has resonated with you. Um, in in our marketing course in the in the past uh, the past week or so and and what what is it that you're trying to sort of take back um, um, and sort of add to your to your toolbox uh, in this in in this new role? Yeah, I think I think that actually the two things go hand in hand, right? If we're talking about building culture and building community, right? Then in some ways you have to be a forward facing uh, figure, right? You have to be right. You have to make uh, you have to take those steps. You have to be the go- person to sort of, you know, figuratively go greet somebody, right? We talk about, um, and so like, if I think about myself, maybe a year or two years ago, I was very comfortable being the Latin teacher in his room doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Don't bother me, right? If you need me, you know where to find me, those sort of things. And I think, right, in some ways, right, in a real reality, that wasn't just me keeping to myself. That was a particular projection and particular marketing, right? And I don't think that particular way of projecting myself is help was helpful to anybody, right? It's not helpful to making parents feel like um, I- I'm with them. It's not helpful for um, creating even better relationships with students. It's not helpful for uh, fostering conversations with your colleagues. And so 
I think the two things go hand in hand in the sense that, you know, this is partially part of my job, but also I had a realization that like my um, ability to, I don't know, just project a, um, not even project, but just like be far more conscious about the fact that I'm not operating alone when I go to school. And then to be far more deliberate about how I'm bringing people in with me. Right. You know, some of these schools, right, particularly these old school institutions, um, they're built on silos, right? And you get to have your particular silo um, and do the best you can with it. And, you know, part of part of this is breaking down those silos. Absolutely. So... I guess as you're looking forward to this this new opportunity, what is what what is it that most excites you about this? What is it what is it that sort of keeps you you getting up you getting up in the morning and um, um, yeah, what is it what is it that is 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 most calling you uh, in this in this new role that you'll be assuming in the in the in, well not even in the fall that you're assuming today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, you know, ask me, ask me in a month or ask me in two months. But right now on June 30th, right, it's a, there's a heavy sense mm. of optimism. Um, and it's the optimism that, you know, though you were late to the party, it, there's a possibility that we, you know, we might okay. do this right, right. And the, you know, the, the, the opportunity to do this in a holistic way right, excites me, right, to be able to say, no, we're not going to just sort of have this off in a corner of our school and give kids spaces to talk, and that's that's it, no, we're going to, you know, my hope is that this goes full-blown from, you know, from outreach to admissions to curriculum to symbology in the school to outreach to parents, to sports, to, you know, theater program and arts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I will also say, like, I'm still a teacher. And the, the, the other piece that excites me is just the, you know, the, the, the innovation that's going to be coming in the curriculum and my own curriculum and the things that I'm, um, you know, looking forward to um, teaching over the next couple of years as I sort of redevelop my mm-hmm. own stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely there with you on that one. Um... So, I, you know, we're definitely gonna have to touch base and, you know, I'll, I'll take you up on that in a, in a month and, and see how you're, how you're feeling um, about, you know, the task ahead. Um, so just in closing, um, you know, I just wanted to sort of, I'd like to end on this question. I was wondering if you had one more hour in your day, or if you could add, you know, another hour to your day, what would you, what would you spend that hour doing? Mm. Yeah, it does. Uh, it does depend where you do insert that hour. I mean, if you're gonna, you know, thank goodness there's probably another marketing post. I mean, if I'm uh, probably a couple <laughs> behind on those, so I probably probably need to get on that. Um, you know, honestly, once you know, I was I, I was looking forward to doing a whole lot of um, personal mm. reading this summer, um, and I've got stacks of books lying Same. around my room, and I think if I had the extra hour. That it, would, it would be spent reading. Awesome. Do you want to leave? Do you want to leave our uh, 
listeners with uh what what's you want to name one of one of the books in that pile oh man i gotta it's an eclectic it's an eclectic crowd um i'm rereading between uh the world and me uh i've got myself um race and ethnicity in the classical world doing a little beefing up there um i'm actually reading reading some of the uh king speeches that i have not touched um you know, I just finished uh, reading the um, drum major instinct. Um, and the last one probably on the list is actually, you know what, I'm actually doing a little neo-Latin for the first time. Uh, trying to try to translate what my main man, Christopher Columbus, once said. See what that was all about. <laughs> wow. So, 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 certainly yeah. an eclectic list, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, again... Darren, just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to chat with us today. This was a, a really, um, a lot of food for thought. Um, I really appreciate it. And, you know, you've given me and, and our listeners a lot of, a lot of things to chew on. So I, I appreciate that. Appreciate you. All right. All take right. Care. Take care. Thanks.